probably the hardest thing I've ever done was step out of that church and walk away. Hey there, Freedom Fam. Welcome to episode two of the Summer Podcast Series. I'm cutting in real fast here before we jump into the interview. This interview with Chuck McCullough, so good. We're breaking it up into two parts uh, as he talks about uh, this idea of transition. Uh, Pastor Chuck pastored White Rock Baptist Church for 31 years, as you'll hear. Phenomenal interview, extremely vulnerable, very insightful, packed with just a lot of wisdom for leaders, for life and for ministry. And so I can't wait for you guys to hear this, but we're going to break it up into two parts. What I love about this, what you're going to hear uh, today is how did he uh, get this call into ministry? What did it like getting this call out and being the leader of a church? And how did he communicate that and in, in practice succession with the new person so he can leave a legacy? You're going to love this episode. Let's go ahead and jump right on in uh, to uh, this amazing interview with Chuck McCullough. Enjoy. Welcome to the Summer Podcast Series at Freedom Church. My name's Mike Brake. I'm the pastor at Freedom, and I'm your host and co-hosting with me today, my good friend, Stephen Castell. Hello, Stephen. How you doing, man? Doing great, Mike. How are you? I'm fantastic. And we also have special guest, Pastor Chuck McCullough. Hello, Chuck. Good day to you, gentlemen. You guys look great. I get to see you on video. You look young and sparkly and fresh today. There's this old guy in between you. I don't know what that's all about. Oh, well, we are excited. We're going to be interviewing Chuck. You guys are going to be in uh, for a special treat today. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, pastoral transition and succession. We'll jump all into that here in a second. But before we do, Stephen, we are still not sponsored on this podcast um, and so, but we do have a non-sponsor sponsor. Um, so who, who are we not being paid by that we wish we were being paid by for this podcast, uh, to happen today? This week's, uh, non-sponsor sponsor is, uh, Death Wish Coffee. If you need extra highly caffeinated coffee to get you through the day, Death Wish Coffee. Don't Death do Wish, Death Wish Coffee, um, you introduced me to it. It's actually really good. It also has like 700 milligrams of uh, caffeine per 12 ounces. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know that. I also recognize it's really expensive at Smith's right now. Uh, but they had a closeout uh, deal so you could get it at like half off. So it's kind of nice. Excellent. <laughs> Chuck, do you, what's your, what's your uh, coffee of choice? Is it Death Wish Coffee? Man, I wish I, I wish I was so cool. Actually, I just have. Uh, from a local big box store, a large box, a large bag of uh, espresso beans, freshly ground this morning, made in the coffee. Okay. I have no idea how much caffeine per 12 ounces there is, but I'm going to assume it's not as much. I I just go with I go with whatever's on sale. I, and, and I just drink that. I'm not too picky, I don't think. All right. Well, we're going to be talking about today. If you are a leader, if you are in the church world, if you are in ministry, especially if you are a pastor, like I selfishly have asked Chuck to interview him because I, these are questions that I have for him because um, of the way he transitioned out of ministry and we've developed Chuck a great friendship and a mentorship that I absolutely love, but I've been dying to kind of have this conversation with you. 
and we get to do it. So I'm kind of uh, just very excited for today. Let's kind of back it up just a little bit because we have some people who might be joining in. They're like, I don't know Chuck. Who's Chuck McCullough, this pastor? Give us a little bit of insight about um, just where did you do ministry? How long have you been doing ministry? And and uh, just some of the, the numbers. Uh, I, I actually have made two cycles through uh, the little church in White Rock, New Mexico that I pastored for 31 years. When I, when I first came out, out of college to Los Alamos, I joined this church and was a member as a volunteer, worked with youth, uh, did music, uh, did a number of other things. Uh, then, and I was, had another job, I worked at the, at the laboratory, uh, but had a significant change of heart, as you might well imagine. And I couldn't shake the fact that I was, I was very clear that God was saying, I want you to do something else. And I really had no idea what. So I, I, I wrestled with that for a year. And, and the reason I say that is because that will sound familiar a little bit later in the story. I wrestled for probably a year and finally said to my boss at work, I, I got to go. I got to do something else. I don't know what it is, but I'm, I'm going to go to seminary. And so I, I left the laboratory uh, and spent nine years in seminary for, for an MDiv. And then I still didn't know what I was supposed to do. I didn't think I was called to be a pastor or a missionary or any of the standard items. Um, so I thought maybe I'm supposed to be a teacher. And so I went ahead and uh, spent seven years getting a PhD um, and uh, taught for a little while and then was called by the very same church I had left in White Rock, uh, called back as their pastor nine years later. And so um, then I came back and, and pastored there for 31 years as their pastor. It, it was a must have been a good fit or else they just couldn't bring themselves to say we're done with you because it, it seemed to work pretty well. I had, I had while, while I was in seminary, I did uh, a stint as in youth ministry. I was on staff at church and youth ministry. I uh, had several different roles in volunteer, but really my first pastorate was coming right back to White Rock. I was a full, full bore rookie as a pastor when I came back. Wow. It's, that's, um, amazing three decades in ministry and all at one one place um what i love about you chuck one of the things that i love from the outside looking in is that you you led and you led well and one of the things as a pastor for me you see this in the media all the time pastors lead but you don't hear this your story doesn't make the headlines it's pastors who burn out, pastors who flame out, pastors who've gone rogue, pastors who, you know, uh, in these churches that are left in shambles. And you're one of the stories. I think there's many of them. You just don't hear them where, hey, you are. I went, mean, we'll, we'll learn. We'll, we'll talk about it. Like, it wasn't perfect. But, I mean, you were faithful in your calling and, and you led it and you did it well. And so for me, as a leader, I'm like, I want to lean into people like this. I want to learn, watch, and, and listen. It, it was by no means perfect. And starting with me, I made a lot of mistakes and messed up a lot of times. So what I had was very gracious people who said, uh, who, who walked alongside, who encouraged, who, who uh, helped me, who uh, were really my mentors and older friends and so anyway, an exciting, an exciting time to be, uh, and, and I, I loved walking into the building every day. 
every day. I loved being there in spite of the fact that it got kind of weird at times. And I was still a learning curve for 31 years. I never stopped learning. Uh, most of us think about, you know, getting called into ministry. Um, did you by chance have like God releasing you from ministry? I know that was uh, something that Floyd Smith talked to me about was uh, being released from ministry to move on. Did you have an experience like that? It was not a single experience. I, I think in 31 years, I think after about the first year, I was saying, man, is this, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? And probably asked that with some regularity. Yeah, I, I think those doubts and concerns are something that every pastor lives with. But but it but it worked, and it was probably let's say thirty one years. So probably about year twenty nine, a couple of years before, I I started getting that same sense. And now I'll point back to when I left the lab to go to seminary. I started getting this same sense that I needed. I, I think I need to do something different. I think something's got to change. And and I thought I was fresh and you know on top of things and doing things well, but in retrospect, I realized, you know, I probably pretty much had worked myself into boxes, ways of doing things. And uh, at the time, however, I just began to feel uncertain and like things were shifting under my feet and I couldn't quite figure out what that was. It took a year of just walking through that feeling before it really just hit me. I think it's time for me to go. That was very difficult because Life, as you well know, is wrapped up in that church. My life, my soul, my everything I was about was wrapped up in that church. But it was clear more and more that I was the guy for the past 30 years. Somebody else needs to be the guy for the next 30 years and needed somebody fresh and with more energy and um, more just more savvy in terms of, you know, the 21st century. And I, I think that was somebody else. So I, I gave the church a full one-year notice, however. I, I asked several guys if I how much notice you give, and most of the advice I got was no more than two months. Don't, don't let them know you're leaving. Huh. But, you know, I simply could not do that. I simply, not after investing so much life in those people, I simply could not say, okay, in two months I'll be gone. So I, I, I gave them a full year notice. And for a full year, we walked through that process of, of departing, of winding down and moving into the next phase, which was going to be a transition phase. Um, let's kind of rewind back. You said, hey, I had about a year or so of this feeling, this nudge, an itch, you know, that you just kind of had to scratch. And this isn't just for pastors and, and leaders. This is, I think, as Christians, we all get these feelings and, and nudges. Uh, from God, we don't know quite what it is, but we feel like there's something. Most, I would say, a lot of Christians don't know what to do with that. And so, you said you spent about a year working on that feeling. Do you have any like practical things you can share with us uh, to the person who might be, uh, hey, I kind of have a feeling or a nudge, but what did what were some practical things that you did to work through that? I would say the main thing that I did is I asked five very close friends, five people that I also thought I could, well, I knew that I could trust with this journey. And I said, please be my, uh, my focus group, my, my listening group. And I, I pulled together five close friends, uh, several men, several women, 
um, some a little younger, some a little older in the Christian journey. So I wanted a, that kind of a diverse little group. And I sat with them several times and said, okay, here's what I'm feeling. What, what do you see? What do you think? What do you see? How, where's our church? Uh, where is it? Where is it today in terms of its life and it's, it's uh, the cycle of life of a church? Where am I in that cycle? Do you think I've, um, you think it's, you think I'm winding down? Do you think there's still life left? So we, we spent a lot of time, actually. I, I would say the one thing that probably was as valuable to me as any other one thing was, um, was having that little group of very close friends. Obviously, I had that conversation here at home, and there was a lot of just quiet prayer and reflection. I spent a lot of time hiking in the mountains just on my own. You know, it was those, those kinds of moments. Waiting, in fact, for some flash of light or clouds or message in the sky. Nothing very clear. But I did have the insight of, of good friend, trusted friends who I, with whom I could pray, share the deepest feelings I had, um, both the real positive and the, the uncertainties, the misgivings that I was sort of experiencing. That was, that was the single thing I did outside of just my home, you know, just the, the things you would expect to do. That was probably that I would say this was a good thing. This was good to do. Okay, so you have, you kind of have that that nudge, that feeling, and you you built community where you could have honest conversations exactly. where you could be honest. I mean, it's it's hard in ministry. Ministry is different than any other uh, business, and that I can well that I can think of. I'm sure there's others, but um, where you're like, hey, I feel this call from God to do something different. Yet I'm being in, in a lot of cases, uh, I'm being paid full time to do this job right here for these people whom I love. But there's this nudge from God to go do something else. And you can't just as a lead pastor, the one who's in charge, say, hey, I, I don't know if I'm supposed to be here anymore. <laughs> that that can you got to keep the face. <laughs> so to have an outlet is so important to where you can be genuine in both. I am here now and I am leading and I have questions about whether I am the the one to be leading and I want to do whatever God calls me to do. I got to have a safe place to talk about that. Absolutely right. And of course I did ask those friends to keep this quiet, right? I mean, not because it was a secret. Well, it was, but it was quiet and it needed to be done carefully. Because sure enough, I am still full time and full bore into into the business. I mean, the church is running and we're we're going and everything is happening. But this, so this was kind of a side conversation uh, with some friends friends who said, "Yeah, we'll 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 respect that confidence and but we'll pray with you." More than once, I pulled one or two of them aside and said, "Okay, now I believe the group is honest and straightforward, and but I want to know what you're thinking. What are you thinking? What are you seeing?" Because I'm going to be very honest with you, after well over 60 years of being a believer and follower of Christ, and over 40 years in ministry, um, I still, when I get a nudge or an urge or a thought, I still wonder, God, is that you? Or is that just something I ate? Yeah. Or is that something that's just going on that I heard somewhere else? So, uh, you know, I still, I still struggle with saying, is that even from God? I, I need, yeah. I need other believers. I believe strongly in the, the community, the body, yeah. 
of Christ uh, sharing in that journey of even discerning whether or not this is a word from God. Yeah, and and that sensitivity too. To I mean, to me, we know in church world, someone gets a whiff of that in the gossip chain and everything else can just spin everything up in a tizzy when you're just trying to do something like, I'm just trying to figure out what God's calling me to do. The fact that I'm in this position makes it difficult to discern and have real conversations with people who I've been doing community with. So it's, I think that's very wise to do that. Um, how long did you, you said you had the, the church, you walked with them for a year in planning for this, transition for a successor for succession um but how give a give give me a young pastor some well, i don't know about young but a pastor someone who's in the middle of ministry i don't have uh you know unless i don't have any thoughts of retiring or changing anytime soon god could tell me to do that tomorrow but how did you think about succession and, and transition in your ministry did that start 31 years ago or did that start when you started to get this nudge? What did that look like for you? It started way more poignantly when, when I started sensing this nudge. I, I, I'll bet all along the way, I mean, after, through through three decades, you have thoughts every now and then. Of, okay, what, what would happen if I were to leave? Or what do I need to do to establish some sort of succession or transition? Honestly, there was a strong enough leadership network, and I think that's critical. We we practiced shared shared leadership, uh, shared servant model of leadership, so that I I could walk out the door. I really literally could have walked out the door, fallen over dead. The church would have rolled right on. Would have rolled right on. They might have said, oh, "Wait, who was that guy?" But you know, I think they. Well, I know that they would have. They would have known what to do. They would have known how to fill in, how to fill in the gaps, how to how to do the ministry. Um, they, they were trained to know how to put together a funeral. So they could have even done that for me. They, they were, you know, they had, they were trained in how to do weddings and how to do graveside service and how to do, uh, how to preach. And I always told deacons, especially always have a sermon in your, in your Bible, because if I call you at six o'clock on Sunday morning and say, I've got, uh, the, I've got the, I'm in the death throes, you need to be prepared to preach. And you should have that in your head every week. Don't don't walk around without it. And so, how long did you did it take for you to feel where you were comfortable with that that team? I'm gonna guess. You know, you might be thinking about it 31 years ago. And for me as a pastor, I can be like, oh my gosh, I'm nowhere near ready for for that. Like I want that, but. You know, I'm I'm only five years into Freedom Church, and we could, but I don't know. You know, we got great leaders at Freedom, but have I taught them and created this team and model? I do, you know. So, calm my anxiety a little bit. Oh, actually, you you have them already. You you'd be surprised. Okay. I I think you 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 guys have both seen it. You, you know, people in your congregation today who can step in, but but it also it takes time. I mean, you surely you. Uh, over time, you call people in to, in to join you in this ministry and say, walk alongside. We're going to go to the hospital and we're going to visit. Here's what you do when somebody calls you and says, I'm going to have surgery on Tuesday. Here's what you do. Somebody calls and says something terrible has happened. Here's kind of how you respond. Um, I developed courses in you know, uh, care of souls, uh, caregiving, 
um, that I taught on a somewhat regular basis, just in the church as a whole, uh, simply so that people would, would be comfortable. If I say, can you follow up on this hospital visit or whatever, um, that there was a relative degree of comfort with that. But yeah, it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. And you also start it and then it, it slides backwards because people you train go somewhere else. So they leave or, you know, whatever, or, um, yeah. or they just step back. It's the church is, as a, is a journey. The church is never fixed, never set, never. Okay. Okay. Now we're here because it changes every day. It changes. Um, but I, I, I'll have to say that really the strong nudge towards, okay, how are we going to make this transition um, after three three decades of one person? Because the church sort of takes on that character, right? That nature, that and and that old guy casts a very long shadow. And so I was very aware that if when I left, there needed to be a substantial period of time before the next pastor came, and that was just an intuitive sort of sense. I actually later did some training in intentional interim. That was one of the first things we talked about. What about when the long-term pastor leaves? Uh, well, a, a transition time of a year to two to three is critical. Uh, Why 70, is that? Why is that? 70 to um, se about 70% of young pastors who follow a long-term pastor are gone after two years. If there was not a good chunk of buffer, because the old guy did things a certain way, and the new guy will not do things that way, and he, he or she, <laughs> I'm going to say it, will have to live in the shadow of that old guy. Will have to live in like, well, this is what Pastor Chuck did. This is what we did before. This is how that worked. And the new guy is saying, well, yeah, but let's try something different. Let's go a different direction. Or let's, you know, can can I just get my feet on the ground before I have to live in the in the shadow of that old guy? Uh, a very high percentage of pastors who follow a long-term pastor last about two years. And then they move on. Because, and, and then generally, the pastor that follows that one last, can last longer. It's just a tough, tough job. Uh, to to step into the shadow of a long term guy. What sort of things did you do for yourself? Because you're still in you're still in the community. You're still in Los Alamos. You're still in White Rock. Marshall has been knocking it out of the park, hitting it as a home right. run. So, um, share with me some of the things that you've been intentional about to help him because the percentages are not great. Right. Um, and he's been doing fantastic and the church is thriving which i love and again another reason as to why i want to have this conversation with you is like you it's it's not just chuck doing it it's a church body and a church family obviously it's all gods you have the new leader coming in he's doing great but i want to know from your perspective what were some things that were on your mind to say hey when when marshall comes into town whoever this guy is you didn't know him at the time how are you going to support him well, for one thing, it was a three-year transition before he came. That's a long time. That, that's longer than usual. Um, if if you've heard the term intentional interim, uh, the church called a guy who's trained to come into the church and fill in that pastoral role and also help walk the church through a process of, of uh, 
in identifying who it is and where it is now, of, of clarifying its mission and purpose, of looking how it does leadership, of looking how it connects to the community, just the whole process. In fact, it's a very healthy process that probably every church should go through. But it's specifically designed for that transition time between uh, pastors and especially a long-term pastor and uh, the intentional interim pastor, the church. I, I, and I strongly encourage this for the church to find one of those guys and working through an organization in Texas, found a guy who came and spent three years at White Rock Baptist. Okay. And he walked the church through that process and then helped them put together a search committee and go through the search process for the pastor full three years before Marshall came. Um, several things that I did, and I'll just go ahead. You want, you want to talk about the, the uh, challenge of being the old guy. We can look at that for a minute. The probably the hardest thing I've ever done was step out of that church and walk away. After that many years of, of investment, of life poured into it, and you know just what that feels like. Your whole life is poured into it. I, I said to them in that year as I was leaving and preparing them for this transition, I kept saying, I'm, I'm going to walk out the door. And I won't be your pastor anymore. I'll be your. I'll see you at Smith's at the grocery store, but I, I won't be your pastor. And I will confess that was incredibly painful. That was really painful, especially since I knew that I wasn't moving away. I wasn't going to another pastorate. I was going to stay right here in town. So I I left White Rock Baptist Church. I uh, I didn't go back for four years. Didn't even walk in the door. And uh, when Marshall came to town, I, we, we got together and had coffee. And I said, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be your uh, greatest supporter. I'm going to be your guy in the background, but I am staying far away because I will not get in the way of your establishing your ministry. I will not. I'll just be, I'll just be way back here in the background somewhere. You'll know I'm here, but um, I, I, will, I won't even walk in the building. Because I, I just got to give you that space. Yeah. That was, I thought that was extremely important to do. It was extremely painful. It was, there was probably I experienced grief more profoundly in that process than anything I've, any other grief I've experienced in my life. And to some degree, that's been six years ago. And that grief still lives in me a little bit to some degree. Wow, wow, wow. We're going to go ahead and just uh, take a pause and a timeout. We'll do uh, part two next week, which you're going to want to tune in to that uh, as Chuck gets very vulnerable, talking about sadness and grief that he experienced uh, in in the time of transition, even anger. Um, and he shares a little bit about how do you attend a church after leading a church? How do you not get cynical he even shares uh after 31 years of ministry if he was you know pastor chuck today talking to young pastor chuck from 31 years ago here's some wisdom i would impart to you you're gonna love next week's uh episode i don't know what your takeaway was from today but for me as i was in this interview and just so grateful to talk with chuck he talked about what did he do in that time when he felt that nudge? And this is where I think I want to impress maybe upon you. You hear these uh, God whispers, these, you know, God whispers, a nudge, 
a feeling, uh, an itch that you're kind of scratching and you're like, is this from God or is this the breakfast burrito, you know, that I ate? What did he have in place? And I love this, that he emphasized that he had close community. And that doesn't happen just immediately. Community takes time. You, you have to just be very intentional about building relationships. And some of those relationships will work. Some of them won't. But you keep nudging and, and pressing along on those friendships. And when you have that space, you have that space. You've built the time. You've built the relationships. And, you know, for him, three decades worth of relationships. That's what I'm talking about in time. It's not going to happen in 30 days. But he had that place. He felt this nudge. He wasn't sure if it was God or not. And he just had open, hard, honest conversations. I love the humility that he had to ask the questions. Hey, am I the guy? Do I need to go? And they could open up and share with him, man, what a, what a, what a great um, thing to have. Okay, if you are having a nudge from God, is this from God? I don't know. Talk to somebody. Find a trusted friend, a family member. Doesn't have to be a bunch but that you can sit down and you can be humble where they can tell you the real answer. Like sometimes people will ask a question, I'm like, do you want the truth or not? I don't think you can handle the truth, as Jack Nicholson would say to Tom Cruise. That's an old old movie reference right there for some of you guys. You know what I'm talking about. But uh, a place where you can be humble enough to say, hey, I'm willing to hear the truth here. And uh, have some some be very raw about some feelings that you're experiencing. Open up, and man, that's a great place, great place to determine and discern is this God or not. Well, listen, I want to just say thank you for joining us in on this summer podcast series. We're here to stay connected while we are away, and we got great stuff lined up for future weeks: leadership conversations, asking hard questions, interviews from church family members. I can't wait. Also, if you're in the house, come in the room, be in the room with us on Sunday mornings. We're having a great time. God's moving, God's speaking. We have At The Movies is uh, currently taking place. And then starting July 9th, we have our summer Q&A series. We're answering the top six most asked questions, and it's going to be amazing. We have so much fun. Great time to invite friends and family members um, our coworkers in to join you at Freedom. Chances are, if you're asking the question, somebody in your circle of influence is also asking that same question. So it's a perfect opportunity to invite people. So we can't wait to see you when you are in the room. And if you have gleaned anything from this today, if you're like, hey, this is spoken to me, do me a huge favor, share, like, rate, review the podcast and share it with your friends online. That gets the message out. Chances are if it connected with you, it's going to connect with somebody in your circle of influence. No matter where you're at this summer, if you're in Los Alamos, if you're on a beach somewhere, which is where I would be, or if you are out in the mountains or you're on a road trip, I hope God has just blessed you and will continue to bless you with rest, but that he would bless you with his presence, give you that next step so you can go and be a light and a hope to the people around you. God bless, and we'll see you online next week.